The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another week of our shows here on the Leach Report from the Clark's Open Shop Studio in Lexington. Uh, chilly day, but uh, nice and sunny here in the bluegrass as we get set to talk some UK basketball and a little Super Bowl. John Hale will join us from the Courier Journal, uh, probably working a little UK football there too. Uh, the Goose, Jack Givens, who you hear on our UK Network pregame shows with Dave Baker. And Coach Steve Ortmeyer will join us for some Super Bowl thoughts as we get to our Wildcat news of the day. And we start with congrats to former Wildcat Mike Edwards going to get himself a Super Bowl ring now. He uh, had a deflection that led to uh, an interception early in the second half of Patrick Mahomes that uh, helped uh, clinch, really, I think, the game for Tampa Bay. As the Bucks win Super Bowl 55 and Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. So uh, you saw a lot of, uh, if you follow a lot of Kentucky folks on Twitter, you saw uh, a lot of congratulations. Even, uh, people in the media who covered Mike Edwards locally talking about uh, what a good guy he was. You know, we had Vince on, uh, Vince uh, Mario on last week talking about uh, Mike and uh, he, uh, was a uh, player out of Cincinnati that came here with a reputation as just a good football player. Uh, you know, one of those Randall Cobb type guys that just, you could put him in a lot of different places. And they ultimately did in the secondary, uh, played him a lot of different spots. But playing safety for the Bucks, doing very well. Seemed to have a good game yesterday from uh, what I could tell. And uh, he gets a Super Bowl ring. So happy for Mike Edwards. Tennessee beats Kentucky 82-71 in a game the Wildcats led by 10 with 12 minutes to play. From that point on, it was missed shots, 12 out of 16 misses, uh, turnovers, and defensive breakdowns as the two Tennessee freshman guards, Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, just relentlessly attacked the rim for the Vols. And Johnson finished with 27 and Springer finished with 23, so 50 combined for two guys who average nine apiece. Uh, Fulkerson, who killed Kentucky last year, didn't score. Got into early foul trouble in each half. He doesn't score. Uh, Eve Pons, not a big factor, but it was the guards that Kentucky, the freshman guards that Kentucky could not handle. Um, so we mentioned during the broadcast, both of those guards uh, projected as uh, lottery picks and well, I think the latest ESPN mock draft, and uh, they did nothing to hurt that standing with the way that they played against Kentucky. Kentucky guards, meanwhile, 4 of 25 shooting in the game. Uh, Keon Brooks, 23 and 11, both do career bests for him as he played uh, his Learned away his best game as a Wildcat, and during the the point at which Kentucky opened up the 10-point lead, Keon was the guy who was the driving force for Kentucky. Understandably, Tennessee adjusted and uh, took did a lot of things to try to take Keon away and shut him down, and that's where you've got to be able to counterpunch, and Kentucky could not. And you could hear the 
the dejection in Keon Brooks' voice uh, when he talked with the media after the game. We've lost so much. How much can we keep on learning from doing all this losing? I mean, we had the same conversations over and over again, and we still end up not winning games like we should. Um, I mean, you know, there is some type of, of value in it going forward, you know, to have that, you know, experience to not want to feel this way again or, you know, you could teach future teammates or future teams, you know, this is what this team went through and, you know, do everything we can to not let that happen again. But for the most part, you know, losing sucks. Yes, it does. And uh, you can uh, feel for Keon when you hear him uh, talk in that uh, setting. You could just, as I said, hear the dejection in his voice. To the credit of these uh, players, they have had uh, several tough beats this season, the last three in particular against good teams, teams that could be top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. And a position to win each of those games and yet they found ways to lose every time, and uh, they have continued to get up off the mat and come back. So can they keep doing it uh, and eventually break through? Uh, tomorrow night's the next chance. Uh, a similar kind of team in Arkansas. Top 40, good record, does some things well. Uh, we'll see how it goes tomorrow night in Rupp Arena and uh, talk more about that matchup tomorrow. Right now we need to get to a break. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Seven years in a row, they've been voted top breakfast in the Herald Leader Reader's Choice poll. They're in Hamburg and in Palomar here in Lexington. When we come back, John Hale joins the program. The Goose, Jack Givens, a little later on here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Sixteen past the top of the hour. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. And a note from uh, Cal. He mentioned this in our post-game interview on the UK Network um, after the game Saturday night. He said uh, doctors were going to take a look at Terrence Clark's uh, leg injury. Uh, either it was going to be yesterday or today, and hopefully give them a uh, clear idea of when Terrence would be able to return, Cal said he wants to play, but they, the doctors, are telling him that he can't. So uh, maybe we'll get a little more uh, clarification on that. Um, have a little trouble reaching John Hale at the moment, so uh, we'll redirect here and uh, move the goose up in the batting order. Jack Evans joins us on the Kentucky HempWorks.com hotline. Did you uh, watch the Super Bowl, Jack? I did watch the Super Bowl. Yes, it was. Uh, um, although I, uh, I picked Tampa, I never never thought it would be the kind of game it was. I became a Tampa Bay fan when I lived in Orlando, and uh, my buddies and I, Dan Brown and some others, would run over and see a bunch of the Tampa games. So I became a Bucks fan back then. Uh, I, I picked them. I didn't know if they could win it, but it was it was a fun game for me. Yeah, it turned out to. Uh to be uh, not uh, as close a game as people thought and just uh, only uh, serves to enhance the reputation of Tom Brady. Man, I tell you what, you have to give the man his due, whatever you yeah. think about him, whether you like him or not, whether he's too good looking, he's, he's 
gets all the breaks. He's, you know, you go through them all, man. Uh, you know, you got to give the guy his due because he, uh, boy, uh, to get that team in one year to the Super Bowl and to win it all is just amazing. Well, let's uh, talk about the current Cats and um, another disappointing night at Rupp when they had the the big lead built over a good Tennessee team, and then just it evaporated so quickly. I mean, it uh, you know, it's one thing for uh, you know, usually when a team makes a, a comeback, you chip away, and it takes a little longer. And uh, you know that thing just flipped. It seemed like in the you know the snapping of your fingers. Yeah, you know, Tom, I I don't know if uh, me being a former player, if I'm hurting more for the guys than a regular fan. But, man, to see them go through this uh, time and time again has been just so frustrating. And uh, I don't know how you go through as many stretches that they've gone through this year where you go five to seven, even up to eight minutes where you don't, don't score. I, I just have a hard time figuring out how that's happening and happening so often uh but it's it's kind of the same thing we've been talking about uh, you know don't want to be the dead horse but yeah, this team has uh, has just not been one to get on the same page together and especially when you talk about doing it for the entire 40 minutes it, it just hasn't happened Cal has uh, talked frequently, and again the other night, about guys passing up shots. And there was a, a good sequence that illustrated this. And uh, I know I work with a guy uh, every uh, game night that uh, you know just uh, is incredulous at the notion that a coach would tell you you have the green light to shoot and you wouldn't. And I've heard you talk in the same way. But it was 58-56 coming out of a timeout, so you set something up. And uh, they get the ball. First, they get it to, to Damian Mintz at the head of the circle. And his guy, Springer, falls down. So they get him the ball. And he's got a, a seam there, a, a window to shoot the three. Now he's 0 for 4 on the night uh, from three. And he's 1 for 8 overall for the game. So he turns it down. Okay, well, he should have shot that. But you turn it down. So they get it to the wing. They feed it into Saar. He kicks it out to uh, Askew, who's had a good game up to that point. He turns it down and in doing so walks. And they end up turn they turn down two open threes to create a turnover. And that one possession is kind of the the sums up the, the issue that they have had too often. Yeah, and, and you know what I what comes to mind uh in situations like that is that Kentucky is trying to make guys who are maybe who maybe do not view themselves as shooters. They are trying to make these guys shooters. Now, on this level, especially for a, a, a guy like Mintz who has uh, the experience, uh, there's no reason why he he shouldn't take that shot. And a shooter's mentality, you've heard it. I don't have to tell you anything you don't know, but a shooter's mentality is that, man, I can miss 15 in a row, but I'm making the next one. Yeah, the you next 15. Can't... And then you're making the next 15. You can't be thinking, man, I've missed, and here we go again, and can I make it? Uh, and I understand, ask you, um, with, with kind of how he has played as of late. But, man, having a great game, uh, you want to ride that while you can. So there's there's just no reason for guys to pass up those kind of shots. And the, and the other thing is, like you say, man, Calipari is not going to give them a hard time if they miss it. 
uh, he's giving them a hard time if they don't take it. And passing up an open shot, I've always been told, is like a turnover because guys are getting in position to rebound. They're getting, you know, all this other stuff is happening. If you don't take that shot, it turns into a turnover. And that's what happens most of the time when Kentucky misses an opportunity like that. We're talking to the Goose, Jack Gibbons. We'll take a quick break, come back, continue uh, in just a moment. Uh, it is the Leach Report Radio Network, and we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. It's the Leach Report for a Monday. We're chatting with Jack Givens. Uh, John Hill from the Courier-Journal will join us coming out of the bottom of the hour. Coach Steve Ortmeyer in the second half as well. Um, Jack, I heard you and uh, Dave talk a little bit in the pregame as I was coming to the arena on Saturday about uh, you know, leadership and you know getting through those tough times. And uh, I went back and looked. You guys uh, in 76, so this would have been your second team, and mm-hmm. it was uh, coming off a year when uh, Kentucky had made it to the national championship but had um, uh, lost several guys off that team, all those uh, seniors. So it was a, a very young group, and you guys had uh, some struggles. And at one point uh, around this time of year, lost three games in a row and a stretch had lost four out of six. And at that point, you know, their, uh, the NCAA tournament, I think, was maybe 48 teams. So – that that was probably out. You, you probably knew that was out of the question, unless and there was no SEC tournament. So right. uh, the thought was, could you salvage? You know, getting into the NIT, which was still a, a big deal at that time. But I, I, as I recall it, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. That the feeling was, you guys were probably going to have to win out to do that, and you did that. Uh, won, let's see, six games in a row to get into the NIT. Beat a 16th ranked Alabama team and then uh, beat Mississippi State in overtime in, in the last game at the Coliseum. So you did that to get into the tournament and ended up winning the NIT. Uh, the, this is a, a long-winded uh, lead-up to say, you know, how did you guys come out of that because this team's trying to come out of something bad? Well, uh, what, we, what we did, Tom, was we, we called a players-only meeting, uh, and I was captain, so it was myself and, we were fortunate to have a guy by the name of Reggie Warford who, who didn't like losing very much. And Reggie was one of the older guys on the team at that time. So we got together and we just passed it out amongst ourselves. And we, uh, you know, we lost Roby to a knee injury about that time as well. So one of our key people had gone down. Uh, uh, but we came together as a group. We, we, we listened to each other. And um, we kind of followed the leader. Um, although I was Captain Reggie was kind of the man at that time. We had some others. But uh, we just kind of came together. We we wanted to salvage the season. We were 10-10 and 10 at that point and on the verge of becoming a team to go less than 500. And that doesn't happen and hadn't happened very often. So uh, we just figured out a way to come over some guys who were trying to be uh, the man had to take a step back. We allowed ourselves and our pride to kind of get out of the way, and and we kind of put it together. But uh, yeah, we won those final ten, and and I still think to this day, had we not 
taken that step that season and salvaged it, uh, we wouldn't have uh, later gone on to win the national championship. Those those final ten games of that sophomore year were huge uh, yeah. for our success. Even though it wasn't an NCAA tournament, I, I, re- I just remember as a fan enjoying that season a lot as it as it played out. wasn't enjoying it much. You guys weren't either uh, by the middle of February, but the way it uh, it turned out, and you know, if there had been an SEC tournament at that time, you guys would have you know been playing in a in a manner where you know you might have been able to to play your way into the NCAA tournament, and you know that's what's it's there for this team now. I mean, they've uh, lost any any hope of. Uh, a lot of people say it was, it's lost a while ago, but for whatever reason, I mean, if they if they win out right now, they'd only get to 500. So they'll have to uh, win an SEC tournament to to advance. And the challenge is trying to you know do what your group did there in the season we're talking about in '76 to to try to come together in that way and uh, play for each other, I guess. Yeah, you know, there's that there's this thing about uh, us against the world, <laughs> you know. And, and I certainly felt that way because teams were enjoying uh, beating us, uh, as they always do, uh, Kentucky team. It, it was obviously not a good time for us as players. The fans were not real happy, especially coming off of a championship year with all the, uh, well, uh, uh, an opportunity to play in the final game against UCLA the year before. The expectations were, were mega. I mean, really, really big. Uh, but we finally got it together, Tom, and, and it just takes uh, coming to trust each other, understanding that if we get the fundamentals and defend and do the things we, we had done before when we had all the seniors with Greavy and, and uh, Guy Ett and Jimmy Dan and Mike Flynn, all those guys, Jerry Hill, you know, if you just go back to basics and execute, you can win some games, and that's what we did. Uh, Jack Goose-Gibbons, uh, appreciate the time. Fun uh, reminiscing a little bit about that. Uh, you mentioned Reggie Warford. He hit, a, he hit the big shot in the uh, championship win over uh, yeah. UNC Charlotte there at the Garden. He really did, man. He played, I mean, those were his games, and that was his final year. So he wanted to go out on top, and we're fortunate to be able to do that. Goose, thank you much. Thanks so much, Tom. You'll hear him and uh, Dave tomorrow night on the pregame coverage uh, starting at 5.30 Eastern time on the UK Sports Network. We're heading to a break. When we come back, John Hale will join the program from the Courier-Journal. We'll get his take on uh, the Cats, uh, also a little in uh, UK football. and Then Steve Ortmeyer, former assistant coach with the Cats, longtime NFL coach and executive, will give us his take on Super Bowl 55-2. It's the Leacher Report Radio Network. Served up by Wild Eggs from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Second half of our show on this Monday, we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios and we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. To bring on John Hale from Courier-Journal.com, where he covers the Cats football and basketball programs. And um, there's plenty of basketball to talk about, but let's start with football, John, because there's some breaking news. Uh, Kentucky has picked up another transfer, uh, Trayvon Morgan, uh, depending on uh, which story you consult. He's either 6'6 or 6'7, played at Michigan State. 
didn't uh, have uh, much production this past season, was redshirted the year before, but was the number one ranked wide receiver coming out of uh, Massillon, Ohio. And, uh, and he is now a four-star wide receiver with size transferring to Kentucky. Obvious that I think they, they took a look at the roster and for all the young potential that there is at wide receiver that they have back, you know, guys like Isaiah Cummings and Ernest Sanders and Michael Drennan and Tay Tay Grooms, guys that we have not seen play a lot, but they, they're still really high on their potential. There's just not much proven production in that room. And if you're going to increase the passing game, if you're going to make it a, a more balanced offense, um, I think that, that, that they needed to have an influx of talent. And obviously adding Wondell Robinson was a huge piece of that. But it was clear they were not going to be done there. And so I think you, you add Wandale, you get Josh Ali back, uh, you hope for kind of breakout years from guys like Alan Daly and Isaiah Epps and Bryce Oliver, who we've seen potential from, and, and that'll help. But you need a bunch of options at that position, especially if they're going to run more plays and throw it more often. So it sounds like this is another guy who, you know, obviously is, is not very proven himself, but he's got size. He had a lot of recruiting hype. He's from an area in Ohio where they, you know, recruit pretty heavily. So I'm sure Vince Merrill and the rest of the staff were already familiar with him out of high school, so it's it's another option. And they really like those big receivers. Um, we know that they had a lot of success with Ahmad Wagner a couple of years ago, even guys like Dorian Baker before that. So uh, I think it's a definitely an intriguing piece to add to the mix there as they try and develop a more competent passing game. And uh, I don't know if you do you know uh, is there still time for him to get in school and go through spring ball? I mean, this is just yeah happened. my. It, we need some more uh, kind of details about what the situation is because uh, the my understanding is the ad drop window for the spring semester has closed, so I don't think that you could enroll uh, at this point still in getting classes for the spring of the U.K., but they only announced Luke Fulton last week, and I think from all indications he was probably already on campus enrolled in classes, so until we get some more direction exactly what the situation here is, uh, that's kind of up in the air. But my gut would be, assuming he's not on campus already, that, that it's probably a summer edition like uh, Will Levis, the quarterback they added on Friday. And that was where I was going next. Uh, what do you make of the addition of uh, a quarterback? And uh, this one is uh, Will Levis, a transfer from Penn State. I think he's definitely coming in to compete for the job. I mean, uh, it's clear that I, I don't think it says anything about the long-term potential of a guy like Bo Allen or even Joey Gatewood. I think they're still really high on those guys. But something that fans need to remember, and, and I know the passing game was terrible last year, and it's you know easy to get excited about the guys we haven't seen yet. But the coaches were seeing those guys in practice every day, and Terry Wilson, you know, held on to that job throughout the entire season, even with as bad as the passing game was, because they were not ready to play and they were not going to give them a better option. So that means that maybe they still need a couple of years to develop or a year or two to develop. And, and I think adding another piece of competition to compete for the job this year when you want to have a special season, when you've got all these seniors back and you've gotten guys like Darian Kennard back and you've you know, made these impact transfer additions, it's kind of setting up that you know this could be a good year if you have a good quarterback. And uh, they would be doing a disservice if they did not, you know, if they had the opportunity to add another talented guy who has a lot of arm talent you know, from his highlight reels who can run a little bit, who's a dual threat guy. Uh, you got to make those additions when you can, and then you just let the competition play out however it does this summer and, and into the preseason camp. It's going to be a really interesting spring because of a, of a new offensive coordinator and I think fan interest in how those pieces will fit together and uh, makes the uh, spring game really intriguing. And then even in the spring game, you may have uh, – you know, well, you're not going to have Levis a part of that and uh, perhaps uh, Morgan – 
not either. So uh, makes uh, the the fall gives us plenty to to talk and write about. Yeah, absolutely. And and the quarterback competition this spring is going to be interesting with Levis not here because you would imagine then that gives you know Gatewood and, and Allen and Nick Scalzo and uh, even Kaya Sharon, the freshman from Somerset who enrolled early, it gives all those guys a chance to kind of get a leg up early and establish a pecking order at least among those four heading into the summer. And we all know quarterbacks are made to transfer when they're not playing, so it would not be a surprise at all to after that kind of pecking order gets established this spring to see one or two of those guys you know look elsewhere for a better opportunity at playing time knowing that Levis is coming for preseason camp to compete for the job too, but that competition among itself, even without him, is going to be really important, and it's going to be you know uh, our first glimpse at what Liam Cohen's offense looks like, and, and it's going to be a really interesting uh, spring, I think for sure, and, and also with those young wide receivers, see if any of those guys can step up and, and make a statement on their own. Um, it's it's one of the more interesting spring practices I think that they've had since Mark Stoops got here. Let's shift to basketball. Uh, you wrote in the uh, Courier yesterday about, um, well, the headline says how Tennessee exposed crucial flaw in UK roster with this win. It, it seems to me, and you can, uh, and this is kind of where I, uh, in reading your story, kind of uh, led me to this thought is that ja- John's, Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer are what Kentucky fans and maybe coaches thought they were going to have in B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it's important to note, and some people pointed this out to me, you know, as as I was kind of workshopping this idea, too, is those guys were excellent for Tennessee on Saturday. They have not been those players for most of the season, but they have. Tennessee hasn't needed them to because they had a more experienced roster. They had guys coming back, you know, some continuity from last season who could carry the load early. I mean, Springer and Johnson didn't even start the first you know five or six games at Tennessee. They had the luxury of coming off the bench and kind of developing at their own pace. And obviously, B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark, Devin Askew did not have that luxury themselves. And so, you know, if we put those guys on Tennessee's roster, maybe things play out a little bit differently. But it's clear that, you know, I mean, Keon Johnson's projected as a top-ten pick by ESPN next year. James Springer's kind of a late first-round guy the same situation that B.J. Boston is. And, and that's the kind of impact freshman talent that Cal needed this year. I mean, it, even in a normal season without the pandemic or the normal preseason and normal exhibitions and nearby games in November, it was always going to be difficult because they had an entirely new roster except Keon Brooks. And so for that that setup to ever work, you needed a John Wall, an Anthony Davis, a Carl Towns, a DeMarcus Cousins caliber freshman to carry the load and it just hasn't worked out that way for Boston or Clark and that doesn't mean they can't develop any good players down the road you know it's not a problem that it takes longer to develop than than we expected but for this season to make it work they needed that kind of performance like we saw from Tennessee's freshman on Saturday they have played these last three games against Alabama Missouri and Tennessee which I think are all potential top four NCAA tournament seeds and Kentucky was in a position in the last quarter of the game to win all three that's what Cal means uh, certainly when he says they're close to uh, a breakthrough so I know what he's talking about but then on the other hand they keep making the same mistakes to get themselves beat yeah, it's an interesting situation because I, I think we all knew two weeks ago when they headed into the stretch and then thinking they were going to also play Texas in that in that group of games too, that they could get better. We could see progress from them in terms of how they had played before, and they could still lose all four of those games because the competition was just that high. 
Now, I do think we have seen some progress, and I, I think he has some legitimate points in terms of, you know, I mean, obviously the, the margin of victory for most of these games, has, or the margin of defeat for Kentucky, has been really, really small. And you just a couple plays here and there, and it comes out a different way. And so by definition, that means you're close. But the fact that they haven't made any headway in how they're losing these games, that they keep losing it the same way and these late-game collapse and not playing well down the stretch and making these careless turnovers and not shooting very well, that's what concerns you about, you know, is that ever going to happen this year? I mean, clearly, the, I think the at-large bid is, is off the table at this point. So it's just basically about trying to figure out if they can peak in time for the, the SEC tournament in Nashville to win, you know, four games in a row or three games in a row, if they can somehow get in the top four and, and get that automatic bid. And, and until we see them come through in some of those close game situations, it's really difficult to expect that they're capable of doing that. Uh, they get Arkansas tomorrow night, and it's uh, you know it's another similar kind of team to the ones they've played, in that they're top forty, um, good record, um, you know, an NCAA tournament team, and you know, it, at some point, it would seem you either break through and start to to build on that, or you get knocked down so many times that you just don't get up at some point. Yeah, and I think that's the real concern right now, especially as after what we saw against Tennessee, and that they were in control of the game, and then as soon as the first you know kind of adversity hit there in the second half, it just spiraled out of control so quickly. You have to really worry about what the mentality is when when those things happen. How much of it is okay? Here we go again, and, and you you know, and then the mistakes compound themselves by guys trying to do too much and trying to you know panicking a little bit. We know they say they're not doing that, but it would only be natural given how the season has played out so far. I think Arkansas is an interesting matchup just because they like to play really fast, and then obviously Kentucky, I think that would suit them if they could get out and transition and get some easy baskets. We saw that against LSU, the one win they had in this stretch right now. Maybe that can happen again tomorrow night, and that gives them a little bit of confidence moving forward. But until they win one of these games the way we've seen it play out, I just don't know that that, that situation, that those fears and that, that panic is going to come back every time. I was having trouble getting my uh, career page to load up here. Finally, did and uh, your latest story is about uh, what Kentucky uh, could learn from uh, how the season has played out. Give us a quick summary of that, and then folks can go read the whole article. Yeah, I mean, basically, just what Cal said on the radio show with you last night. Shooting is really important. So, how does he prioritize that in his offense moving forward? Acknowledging that you're probably going to have to sacrifice a little bit of defense at time to get more shooters out there. And then basically, I, I think he's hit on this recently, but it's a message he needs to keep pounding home. Uh, Emmanuel quickly, Emmanuel quickly, Emmanuel quickly. What he did developing from a you know role player who we didn't know was even going to play very much as a sophomore to the SEC Player of the Year and a Rookie of the Year contender in the NBA, that's who you should be selling now. They're not getting the top 10 caliber picks for freshmen right now. They haven't the last four or five years. But they have this really compelling narrative to say that we can still turn you into a really productive NBA player if you develop on your own time and don't worry about going pro right away. And if they can do that, that builds the roster continuity that they really need. John Hale, Courier-Journal.com, at uh, John Hale underscore CJ on Twitter. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. Quick break and back with Coach Ortmeyer. A little Super Bowl talk when we return here on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Back into our show, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Coach Steve Ortmeyer. Uh, he joins us 
throughout the football season and uh, just wanted to get a quick uh, thought with Coach about uh, Super Bowl 55 and uh, Tom Brady enhancing his legacy. So, you know, you were in a position as a GM, you know, evaluating, you know, players like, you know, Brady coming out of Michigan at the time, um, you know, all the players you had to evaluate over the years. What is it uh, that as you've watched Tom Brady play out through his career that uh, are the distinguish, distinguishing characteristics of greatness? Well, there's no substitute for a for a uh, for for a concerted plan, and uh, they they had a very very good plan, uh, both offensively and defensively. They 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 they, they Todd Bowles uh, played too deep in the center of the field and kept uh, Kansas City out of the center of the field all night, and uh, and I know offense. Uh, but Brady was Brady. He he he, he ground and pounded and uh, and and went to Gronkowski when he needed to. Yeah, they. Uh, it was, somebody pointed this out that uh, you know the guys that used to be in New England that were leading the charge there early, uh, and really guys that great Brady Brady brought in Antonio Brown made some big plays, and then Fournette that they went out and got uh, after Jacksonville had given up on him, and um, he came up uh, big for them. Um, yeah, everything worked out well for him. It was just a, a perfect plan. Let's talk a little bit about now we move the focus to the combine and the draft. And a couple of the Kentucky guys, the Senior Bowl is always big for that. And uh, Drake Jackson played in the Senior Bowl. So did Max Duffy. And uh, from all reports, seemed like it went really well for both of them. Let's start with Drake. And uh, the things I read people have always said, maybe a little undersized for a center, but seemed to have showed up really well at the senior bowl and he's a tremendous technician and you're just a really smart guy uh do you see him having a long nfl career yeah he's a, he's a tremendous technician and i, I do see him have a long career he, he, he will he will fit into to to the, the situation and anywhere that he is drafted and uh and obviously drake drake is drake and uh and and I thought Mike Edwards played very well yesterday too. Yes, he did. Yeah, I was happy for him. And you know, he was a guy that was a playmaker kind of guy here, and he you know ends up uh, getting the deflection that led to the uh, interception of Mahomes there early in the second half that was big for Tampa Bay. Uh, Max, uh, you worked with specialists a lot in the uh, special teams area. Max uh, has the Australian punting style that. They don't use yet in the NFL. Uh, can he make that adjustment successfully? I think so. I think so. I think he has the leg uh, to do it, and he is a very smart punter. Uh, we're we're going to move. We're going to move in the in the in the nature of punting. We're going to move to uh, to what is effective, and uh, and and nobody is more effective at uh, field position at this time than Max is. Why don't uh, NFL? It's worked so well in college. Uh, why do not uh, NFL teams take a look at some of the things that colleges are doing in the punting game? Well, because because it's a different protection. You you in in the in the NFL you have so many speed guys on the outside that uh, that it's very very hard to to protect your punter uh, if he if he moves from the pocket. And and that that's what uh that's what this Australian uh emphasis has done. It's 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 put them it's put them out of the pocket a little bit so so that uh you're more susceptible to getting the ball blocked. 
Coach, appreciate the time. We're uh, running short here, unfortunately. But uh, thank you for joining us with some thoughts on Super Bowl 55. Have a good day. Okay, you too. It's Coach Steve Ortmeyer. We'll take a quick break and uh, come back with our final segment. It is the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This day in Wildcat history, 1964, Kentucky beat Ole Miss 102-59. to What was noteworthy is that it's the last time a Kentucky player had 30 rebounds in a game. Yes, 30 rebounds. And it was Cotton Nash, and here's why he was able to have 30 rebounds. Kentucky shot 125 times and made 47. Ole Miss shot 84 times and made 24. That's a lot of opportunities for rebounds. Uh, th- that box score is, just amazes me every time I uh, take a look at it to have, uh, what's that, a combined 209 shots in a game. Uh, that would uh, seemingly sometimes be a month's worth of shots uh, these days. A couple of birthdays. Uh, Lance Ware celebrates a birthday today, and former Wildcat uh, player Henry Thomas celebrating a birthday today. And a uh, rest in peace Marshall Cassidy. If you're a horse racing fan, you remember him as the longtime voice of New York racing on races like this one in the 1989 Belmont Stakes. It's easy goer on the outside, getting cleared now by two. Sunday Silence remains in second. La Voyager on the rail is third. Easy goer gets clear by four. Sunday Silence remains in second. La Voyager, the horse from France, is third. It's New York's easy goer in front. Just a great example of how inflection can tell a story in somebody's uh, voice uh, without actually always saying the words. Um, so if you were a uh, longtime racing fan, you'll remember that voice of Marshall Cassidy. That'll do it for us. We will see you tomorrow, game day, here on the Leach Report for Kentucky, Arkansas. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on the Leech.